from inside Memorial Stadium. This is the Huskers Radio Network podcast. All Huskers, all the time. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie. Welcome back into another episode of the Huskers Radio Network podcast. I'm Jessica Cootie and excited about today's guest because we've got an important conversation to have. We have Michaela Moore, just finished up sophomore season with Nebraska track and field, triple jump, long jump, and then Marquita Armstead, executive associate AD and senior women's administrator. You've been here on the show with us before, so thanks for coming back. Thanks and Michaela, thanks, welcome in for the first time. Thank you, <laughs> thank, thank you. so much. Well, before we dive into the conversation, Michaela, big news today with track is Gary Pepin, legendary coach, known all throughout the sport, uh, announcing his retirement today. He was your coach. Just overall, how much did he mean to you as an athlete? And, and I'm sure he recruited you and, and what he's meant to you and your college career. Yeah, Coach Pepin was a large part of why I came here and his success is really something special. He's one of the greatest to ever do it. So I want to say thank you, Coach Pepin. You meant everything to me here at Nebraska, and you've taught me so much. What about just his impact um, on track and Nebraska? And you look at the list of accolades and national championships and All-Americans and, and all of that, just how important he's been to the sport, too. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. He's one to brag about for sure, and I think he's inspired. I mean when women's track became a thing, he, he was the one who was winning all the titles. And I think from then on, he's helped spark that. We guys just recently took a trip to um, Selma and Montgomery for, as a part of the Big Life series and um, wanted to talk about that and your experience there. Marquita, first of all, tell us about the Big Life series and what you knew about that and, and how it came to be. Um, I actually didn't know much about it until I started working here. Um, Dr. Lawrence Chatters, who's our executive associate AD for uh, strategic initiatives, called me um, after I'd taken the job and said, hey, um, the, the conference office is planning this trip for student athletes, staff, coaches uh, to, Selma to Selma and Montgomery this year as a part of the commissioner's efforts to, you know, open up um, more widely about diversity, equity, and inclusion issues, voting rights, and, you know, everything after uh, the pandemic and the racial reckoning that we had in 2020. And would you be interested in going? And I said, of course, that I'll go. Um, and so didn't know all, you know, what all it entailed. This was the first year. Um, it was the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12 um, schools that participated in this. And I think uh, what it will, again, continue past this year. I think they're still working out what that's going to look like. But for this year, um, it was really to take the trip there um, with the student athletes to um, reenact the march, I think is the right wording that I'm trying to use, or, you know, take that same trek that the marchers took. And then we had other activities through that three-day weekend that surround all surrounding um, the topic of mainly voting rights is what he wanted us to, to, the commissioner said was his aim and what that, what that process was like. And then also the struggles that came along with, with achieving that. Michaela, when the opportunity was presented to you, what was explained to you and why was it something you wanted to be a part of? Yeah, so originally I was not on the list to go and somebody decided that they wouldn't be able to go. And when I saw that opportunity arise, I reached out to Dr. Chatters immediately and I was like, I have to go to this. And Sam, please sign me up, like I want your spot. And I'm so glad I did because 
it was a life-changing experience and one that I don't think can be replicated, to be honest. So what was it that you knew that you wanted to be a part of it when it was presented, what was going to happen? Why did you want to go? Yeah, I, I saw the opportunity to meet with a lot of like-minded individuals, people who thought like me and have a platform to bring, to use their voice and take that knowledge and bring it back to their university. And so I was really excited to get to, to, get to meet with everyone and experience that with all of them. Marquita, tell us what all you guys did when you got there and, and how it all started. Um, I think McKaylin has a really good story, so you should ask him too, because I, I won't steal his thunder on his his itinerary was a little bit different. Okay, um, so you had two different. Well, not really. His okay. it, it was organically happened with yeah. his, but I'll tell you about what what ours was. We got there. Um, we all traveled together um, from Lincoln to Atlanta, um, and then we were we took the uh, car over to uh, we were driven over to Montgomery. So it's about a two and a half hour drive from Atlanta, but they did that with all of the schools. Um, we get there on Friday and, you know, they had the welcome, they had everything, everything was done and planned to a T. It was actually uh, the most, probably one of the most efficient events, like honestly, with that many people, that many student athletes and, and people coming from all over the country, just the execution of it was excellent. So we get there on Friday, um, we are, we're all staying in the hotel, the same hotel in Montgomery. Um, we check in, of course, and Friday um, was mainly just opening a dinner with all of the the student athletes and staff from all three conferences there and the the in the Big Ten, off, all of the Big Ten conference staff was there. Um, and we had our dinner and then we uh, watched a documentary about the summer march Friday night. And then after the march, we had one of the uh, marchers. Um, she was the youngest marcher um, at the time. She was seven years old at the time of the march. She's 70 years old now. Wow. Um, and she spoke to us that evening and talked about her experience leading up to and post her, her life that she's had um, since participating in that. Saturday morning, we got up early. We took buses. Um, it's a 54-mile um, stretch of highway between Montgomery and Selma. So we took that very same highway that we had seen in the documentary the night before. Um, I will tell you, just being on that bus, nothing, not a lot has changed. You could literally just transplant uh, that same stretch of land from the documentary till now in 2022. It looks, it looks a lot the, exactly the same almost. Um, so we take that, we take the buses and then we go to First Baptist Church, which was the hub of activity in 1965 and planning. Churches were big um, during the civil rights movement, we all know. So we were in that church. Church also <laughs> has not changed um, since then. Um, so a church built by slaves, actually. So it was just very interesting. We learned the history of that church. We, uh, The mayor of Selma was there to greet us and um, gave his welcome and some stories because, again, he's grown up in that area. Um, and then we heard from some additional people, that teenagers that had been in the march, because teenagers, um, I think what people I didn't know fully probably either at my age was that teenagers were the foundation of that march it was about voting rights but they couldn't even vote but they were pushing um, that agenda and trying to get that legislation passed so we reenacted the march on saturday and uh then we go we went back to montgomery and we had a little bit of a break and then we uh visited the equal justice initiative no we went to alabama state university we split up and went to alabama state university uh, the Department of Alabama History, so we learned fully about like Alabama's entire history. Um, and then I forgot the other one. Okay, I we went to the Equal Justice. That was the last. The thing. Equal Justice Initiative yeah. was the last one. Um, and I would say that that was probably the biggest part of the trip. Um, that uh, it was another museum, and takes you from um, the transatlantic slave trade all the way through. 
um, mass incarceration today. Um, it's a very emotional place. I mean, we were there for an hour and a half. We probably could have been there for four hours, honestly, and see everything. Attached to that, and I'll let McKaylin talk about that, is uh, another museum I didn't get to see, but he did. Um, but it was very emotional, and it's very, um, I think that changes lives to see that, like just to see all of those exhibits and um, just to get that history. All right, tell us your, your yeah. side story then. Yeah, so when we first got there, we all arrived to the hotel and we had a few hours to everyone to gather and get there from the airport. And during that time, me and Sadio had the opportunity to go out in the city and walk around. And we were like, we were going to use this time and learn. And so as we're walking, we're approached, we probably get maybe 100, 100 yards, 200 yards from the hotel. And this gentleman comes up to us and he's like, are you from around here and it was clear to him that we're not from around there we're like no where are you from and then he said he was like do you know where you're standing no and he said walk with us or walk with me and so we follow along and little to our knowledge at the time we're standing on slave ground like where they used to trade slaves and so he's telling us about the history and you'd make a left and rosa parks this is where she refused to stand on the bus or sit in the back of the bus and all these different things. You had the governor's office with the Ten Commandments right there. And all of this history, we had no idea we were sitting on. And of course, at the time, we were a little hesitant because we know, we know it's not the safest city, to be honest. And when somebody approaches you, you're a little standoffish. And he explained to us that he was homeless at the time, or he had been homeless formerly, had six kids, was working a double shift at the Waffle House. And he basically did these tours on the side just to help make money for his family. And that was, it was, to me, it was really upsetting to see. I feel like people who have that sort of gift, that sort of knowledge, and he, I mean, he was an extremely smart gentleman, knew all the dates, the history of Alabama, and the fact that he has to work on the side of the, on the side giving tours was just saddening, saddening to me. People that are that smart should not have to live like that. And that was inspirational for me. I think also, you know, you went to the, the... Oh, of course, yeah. And so, yeah, I forgot to mention that we said, what things do we have to see before we leave? And he said, in his words, there's a lynching museum right up the hill. And we're like, lynching museum? What does that mean? He's like, oh yeah, they have all the people. And so we took that height, it was probably over 100 degrees, and we were like, we're doing it. I don't care how far it is, we're, we're getting there. And so we get there, and they have, they have all the memorials of 4,400 people, over 4,000 people, and these are of people who were lynched that they know of. And so the first room, we kind of go inside, and we see a bunch of mason jars with soil, and we're like, well, what, why is there so many jars? You get closer, you see the names of people who were, or the soil is from where they were lynched, and then the names, some say unknown, that was really hard to see that they were never actually identified. Um, and so it was surreal. You're seeing the dates of 1965 on there. That's not that long ago. And so then we go outside and this is where they have the memorial. This is the legacy memorial. That's what it's actually called. And so they originally rejected us. It was near closing time. They said, sorry, you can't go in. And we begged, we were like, we have to, we're like, we'll, we'll fly through. We have to see like, we're only here for a couple days. And fortunately, somebody did let us let us go in, and 
it, the symbolism in there was amazing. It was, you walk through and you, the memorials are, they're eye level. They're at eye level when you first walk in. And as you, as you continue walking, they're now above you. They're, they're hanging essentially. And you have the names, the dates, the location, and it just became surreal. And as you walk, now they're hanging above you. And then there's, there's some of the reasons why they were being lynched. And they were as simple as, he looked at me the wrong way. He frightened me. He was walking on the same side of the road as me. And those are just not justifications for anybody to be killed. And, and uh, at the time, at the time, it was like, it's an, it wasn't just history we were looking at because people were experienced. They were living this. This is people's family members. These are grandparents. Like, people were in there laying flowers. And so that's when it was real. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, this is a museum, this is a memorial, that people are laying flowers for people that they knew at one point. And that, that was just, it was crazy to see. And then as you exit the museum, so they were above you, all the memorials, and then they're now laying, laying on the ground as if they were graves. So it was- Powerful. Yeah, thousands, thousands, we're talking thousands. And it was just hard to see. Wow. You can read about some of the stuff in books, but what kind of perspective do you get being there? And, and you, he was talking about being in the place where Rosa Parks didn't want to get on the bus and, and just to feel it and experience it in that way and not just be learning about it from a history book. What kind of perspective did that provide? Uh, for me, uh, as an African-American female, it made me very grateful for how far we've come. Um, I think, you know, I, I know everyone has opinions and I don't think that these types of things are politics, but it makes you also remember. There's something about remembering so that we don't make the same mistakes and that we, we continue to move forward as a country, as a people, um, towards better for everyone. Um, and there's so many different battles still that we have to fight and, and get through. But it just really, for me, it was the remembrance. It's hard. It, um, and you, like he said, that these are people and lives and things that, but I think just remembering that, honoring that, and again, for me, I, I had a real sense of gratitude for just how far we've come. For you? Yeah. I think what I saw is that how much the textbooks don't teach us. Mm -hmm. I mean, just speaking to Flood, his, his name is Foote, the guy that approached us, and he was telling us how Rosa Parks wasn't actually the first person to refuse her seat on the bus. and. In that spot, they don't even have Rosa Parks Memorial. In that, they have four four names of other women who did, and they use Rosa Parks as the face for that movement because she had the cleanest track record. And that's something that I'd never like learned in school, and that was just crazy. So it's like, what things do we know, and like, what things are we missing? Like, we have to piece together the story, and that's what that trip really did for me. You heard Mark, you talk about a lot of it was teenagers that led the way, and John Lewis was 25 at the time. And how inspiring is that for you? You're about that age. You know, you're close yeah. in age. How inspiring is that to know such a difference that they made at that time and the impact that you could potentially make? Yeah, that I learned, like, there is no excuse. Like, you aren't, there's no excuse for being exhausted or tired for pushing for something because the fact that we were able to sit in front of them on that day, knowing that colored people weren't even allowed in that build like certain buildings at only 60 years ago or so 70 years ago is crazy so i i feel like i owe it to not only them but the, my generation and generations to come to keep pushing and keep fighting biggest takeaways and biggest thing you walked away from um, i know you talk about being grateful but 
just as you uh, convey this message to other people and they're hearing about your experience, what do you hope they take away and, and learn? I just, I hope that people, um, one, I think if, if, if I've told people if they're ever close enough to get there, to get there and to see. Um, I think the biggest takeaway is um, when you walked away, like I said, you could kind of tr transport yourself back in time a little bit. Some things have stayed the same there. So there is uh, work to be done that we can all do. And I think that's going to be the next phase of this from the conference. Also, honestly, the commissioner spoke briefly about that and doing some things to give back for from the, some of the, us that have a lot to give and, and our resources and time that we can give back. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing is just people to go, be open-minded and see. Um, not trying to change anyone's mind, but just opening up. Like like McKaylin said, there's so much that we don't know um, that we can learn, and that I think if if you have the opportunity to go and can be a part and also give back, that those are the things that we we can do. And the biggest takeaways from that trip for me. Yeah, I think you don't. Somebody once said, or when we were down there, somebody said you don't visit uh, Selma, you experience it. And I think that's something that resonated with me over the course of the trip. And I think that we can there's a lot more like she said we can invest in that community and build playgrounds and make sure that those kids are seeing where they can be in in the future like they're seeing college athletes they know they can get there they know they can succeed because they haven't had that in the past they're not they don't have that to look up to so with that and then one of the freedom writers that we had the chance to speak with she said and this also stuck with me this was probably my biggest takeaway that i remember the most is she said her generation basically put the unity back in community, and it was our generation's job to put the human back in humanity. Wow, that's, that's powerful. I know you have a lot of accolades, academic. I know you're volunteer. You had the Sam Boltz Award this year. You do a lot of things outside of just being a student athlete. Why is that important for you to you know, make an impact and, and do well in the classroom and, and everything else other than just what you do on a track? Yeah, so for me, I wanna be a physician and I think that is a role that gives you the opportunity to inspire many people and touch the lives of many people. And along with that, I believe you can't be, I've told Marquita this, you can't be, or it's hard to be what you can't see. And so I wanna be that inspiration for other people that look like me, as well as other, like all children, they can look up and be like, that is achievable for me. I know that I can do this. So in order to achieve that goal, I know that I have to do well in the classroom and I also really enjoy giving back to my community because they've given so much to me. And Rocky, I know you're still get, you're, you're shaking your head. I know uh, you're getting settled in. You're getting to know some of these student athletes uh, like Michaela. How special is that to see the goals and aspirations that they have outside of what they do as an athlete? I mean, I think we all know these student athletes are phenomenal people. They they do so much. We ask so much of them, and they 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 meet all of those, um, the, the goals and the expectations that we have for them. I was just really proud. We got, um, I had m multiple people tell me how impressed they were with our student athletes. We took three um, into additional male student athletes with in addition to McKaylin and how well they represented Nebraska and how thoughtful they were and how they were actually just participating in all of the activities, taking it in. And you can tell because of the way that he's explained it, how transformational it's been for him. So they just make you really proud and really, really, again, I can say grateful again to be a part of helping them along the way and on, on to adulthood. It just really makes you proud. Well, any final thoughts, anything we missed we need to make sure and talk about? I would just say, I would say that if an opportunity arises, take it. I didn't know all that I was getting myself into, but I mean, I could have never imagined that I would have 
been able to take away what I was able to take away. So just putting yourself out there and trying things new or new things is how I was able to even have this experience. So agree. I agree. Completely. Awesome. Well, great stuff. Thank Rakita, you. Kaylin, appreciate yeah. you giving us your perspective and breaking it down for us. Awesome, powerful stuff. Thanks for having us. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you.